For a scripture reading, we'll read from Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16, which deals with the Day of Atonement. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in a cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bowl of the sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bowl as a sin offering which is for himself. And then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and before the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat as before, and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions, and for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the, in the holy place, until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put her on the horns of the altar all around. And then he shall spring, sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it, and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he has made an end of the atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat 
Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to the uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he had put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in the holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar, and he, shall, he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in the water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe, all, or bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins, once a year. And he did, as the Lord commanded Moses. This far the reading of God's holy word. And in connection with this reading, we'll also turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, Lord's Day 5 on page 31 in the back of your Psalter. Page 31 in the back of your Psalter, Lord's Day 5. We're beginning now the second part of man's deliverance. Question 12 asks, Since then by the righteous judgment of God we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, is there no way by which we may escape that punishment? and be again received into favor? The answer is, God will have His justice satisfied, and therefore we must make this full satisfaction either by ourselves or by another. Question 13 asks, can we ourselves then make the satisfaction? The answer is by no means, but on the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Question 14, can there be found anywhere one who is a mere creature able to satisfy for us? The answer is none. For first, God will not punish any other creature for the sin which man has committed. And further, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin so as to deliver others from it. Question 15. What sort of a mediator and deliverer then must we seek for? 
The answer is for one who is very man and perfectly righteous and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is also very God. Well, dear congregation, when Adam and Eve disobeyed, they hid behind a bush. Why was that? It's because they were guilty, and they knew that God had to punish them. They knew that they could no longer stand before God. In Revelation 6, we read that when Christ comes and He rolls up the sky as a scroll, and they will see Him sitting on His throne, that the, the wicked people of this world will cry out for the mountains to fall on them and to cover them from the face of the Lamb. Why? Because they know they're guilty. They know they can't stand before the judgment throne of God. They want to hide from the wrath of the Lamb of God. But in Revelation 7, the next chapter, we read of a different crowd of people. And they're all standing around the Lamb of God, around His throne. It's a crowd so large that no one can count them. And they're singing, salvation belongs to our God and who sits on the throne and, and to the Lamb. And they're worshiping the Lamb. And they're all dressed in white robes and they dwell with God. What a difference. And you wonder, how is that possible? Why such a great difference? And that's what we begin to look at here in Lord's Day 5 with the Catechism as we start this new section of deliverance. You remember Lord's Day 2, 3, and 4 dealt with our misery, with our sin, with our guilt and the wrath of God against our sin. God's wrath is revealed from heaven against our sin. And we're all guilty. We've all sinned. We all hide from God. And so then now in Lord's Day 5, it begins with that question, well, since we are guilty, how can we be saved from that punishment? Is there any way to escape that? And so we see that the first step is always acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our guilt before God. Then we will look for a way out. Then we'll start asking, is there a way to escape that punishment from God? And that's what God shows us here through His Word in such, in such vivid pictures, that there is a way through the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our theme is our need for a mediator. And we read here in Leviticus 16 how God demonstrated to Moses and Israel in the Old Testament what was required. God instructed Moses to, or instructed Moses to construct a tabernacle, to build a tabernacle that would be placed right in the middle of the camp of the Israelites. This, this tabernacle showed how God was present with them in their midst and, and how they can approach God. Now in the New Testament, we don't have a tabernacle anymore. But God dwells with His people, with His Holy Spirit. He dwells in them instead of in the tabernacle. You remember, children, how the tabernacle was made. It had the outside fence, there was a curtain, walls around it, and inside there was an altar, and there was a, a laver with water where the priest could wash. And then the tabernacle itself, it had two rooms. There was a holy place and the holy of holies. And so the first room had, 
had a candlestick and it had that table with the showbread. And the priest would work in that courtyard and in that front room every day. But in the second room, the priest could not come. It was only once every year in that great day of atonement that we read of here in Leviticus 16 that the high priest was to go into that second room, the Holy of Holies. That room was closed off with a large curtain that divided the two rooms. And in the back, in that second room, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And there was the golden censer. And inside that Ark, there was the two tables of stone with the law on it. There was a golden pot that had some manna. And there was Aaron's rod that had budded. And it was covered with a lid, the lid of the mercy seat. And so this room was restricted. No one could just access it when they wanted. Only once a year the high priest was supposed to enter it. And God reminded him in the first verse of how important it was to follow God's instructions. Because he reminded them how his sons, Nadab and Abihu, were were struck dead by the fire of God when, when they tried to make their own fire and tried to light the altar with the fire that they had made themselves instead of using the fire that God instructed them to. And so God says that Aaron was only supposed to enter this room once a year when he was supposed to, or else he also would die. And then the high priest also had to follow very strict regulations to be able to go in there. He had to take off his nice priestly clothes. He had to put on, he had to wash himself, he had to put on these white linen garments. And the way he had to go in there was also prescribed. He had to take a bowl, he had to kill it, he had to offer it for his own sin and for his family. And he had to take some of that blood and then he had to go in and sprinkle it on the altar, on the ark, the mercy seat. He would take burning coals with him and put some incense on it so that the room would be filled with smoke. And that symbolized that God would, had accepted his sacrifice. And then after he sacrificed that bull for his own sins, he had to go back and do the same thing with the goat. And then he would sacrifice the goat for the people. And he would take the blood of the goat and bring it into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And no one was allowed near that building while he was in there. Only the high priest. And then we read about the second goat. When this was done, Aaron would come out and he would lean heavily on the goat's head and he would confess the sins of his people on the goat. It it shows a transfer of guilt to the goat. And then some strong man would take this goat and, and bring him far into the desert and let him go. And so that first goat, it shows how sin has to be paid because the wages of sin is death. And God's wrath against sin must be satisfied by punishing it. And so once that sin, once that penalty is paid, then God's wrath can be taken away. And that's called propitiation. When God's wrath is removed, when God's wrath is satisfied, His justice is satisfied and His wrath is removed. And so that second goat shows how the guilt of our sin is taken away, taken far away and never to be seen again. 
That's called expiation. And so why then did God make the Israelites go through such great hassles? And why would God even kill the priest when they did something wrong and threaten to kill the high priest if he did it the wrong way? To show that there's only one way for our sins to be removed. Only one way for the punishment that we deserve for our sins to be removed. And if our sins are not removed, then we have to face God's wrath ourselves. Then we have to stand before His throne of justice and pay for our sins ourselves. And so the great day of atonement here pictures what is required by God to make that payment for our sins and to satisfy His holy justice. And we asked, is there a way to escape that punishment? Is there a way to receive that favor with God again? And he, he says, the answer is certainly yes. But we know that we cannot do it ourselves because we continue in sin every day. And nor can we satisfy God's justice by any way ourselves. But here, God shows that He's made a way possible and a way that we must follow. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that way is shown here in tabernacle. Everything that was in the tabernacle is a picture showing us how Jesus delivers you from your sin, from the wrath of God so that you can dwell in His presence and favor forever. And so we see first here that, that God shows that, that we cannot even enter into His presence unless His justice is satisfied. His wrath has to be removed from us and our sins taken away before we can stand in His holy presence. None of the Israelites could come near to that tabernacle. They had to stand, stay standing a long ways off. We saw that at, the, at Mount Sinai as well, where God came with His law, and He said all the people to stand back, and they were not allowed to touch the mountains or else they would die. It shows us how holy God is, that we cannot keep His laws. And this is to show the believing Israelites that they could never approach God on their own or in their own way because our sins have eternally separated us from God, banished us out of that heavenly sanctuary in the presence of God forever. And that's why Aaron the high priest had to enter the presence of God on behalf of the people. He was what is called a mediator, to stand between God and the people, to bring the sacrifice to God on behalf of the people. And Hebrews 9 explains this in further detail. Tonight, you may want to read Hebrews 9. It says that the Lord Jesus is the one mediator of the new covenant. He entered a heavenly sanctuary into the presence of God on behalf of His people to make atonement for our sins, even while we stood a long ways off, while we could not come near because we were enemies of God. And how did Christ do that? Well, we see here also that the high priest laid aside his beautiful garments and he put on his linen clothes. He purified himself. 
It shows us how the Lord Jesus Christ came down from heaven. He laid aside His heavenly garments and He came down in human flesh. Took upon Himself the form of a servant. He humbled Himself. Aaron's sacrifice was not enough. This had to be done year after year. He could not pay for the sins of the people. He could not even pay for his own sins. He first had to sacrifice a bull for himself and for his family. And so we see that there's nobody else in this world that can pay for our sins or even help us into heaven in any way. But here we see Christ, who is the pure and spotless Lamb, who fulfilled all the demands of God's law. He obeyed perfectly. Hebrews 7 says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, who is harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners. He's that lamb without spot, without blemish, the mediator, able to bring that atonement in the presence of God for us. But then we see, thirdly, the high priest could not enter the Holy of Holies without blood. There had to be a sacrifice for sin. And Hebrews 9, verse 7 again says, But into the second part the high priest went alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people. And then when we see Christ, he, the true high priest, he would enter the sanctuary, not, not the physical one, but the heavenly one, not every year, but only once, ever, to make an everlasting atonement for all the sins of His people and with His own blood. Hebrews 9 verse 12 says, not with the blood of goats and cows, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. All the animal sacrifices that the Israelites had to bring all pointed to this one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. He shed His own blood on behalf of His people. And the high priest sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat. It showed how, how that sacrifice, how the shedding of blood had to satisfy God's wrath. How the sin had to be paid for. And that mercy seat, it was covering the law to show how that law needed to be, that the broken law needed to be satisfied in Christ. This was all done to show what Christ did. All those animal sacrifices that the priest brought year after year could never satisfy. We know animals die because of the consequences of our sins. But animals can never pay for our sin. Animals can never make us right with God. Everything is dying and decaying. It says even the whole world groans, waiting for to be redeemed by God. But God told Adam that when he sinned, when he disobeyed, he would die. Isaiah 40 tells us that even if all the trees and the mountains of Lebanon were cut down and a huge sacrifice was made and all the animals were sacrificed, imagine how big that altar would be, children. If the, whole, if the whole forest was made into a sacrifice and all the animals put on it, even that would not be enough to satisfy for sin because God is infinite. And Isaiah 40 also says that the, dust of, the world is but a dust in His fingers. The world is nothing compared to an infinite God. 
But Christ, in Hebrews 9, verse 15, says He's the mediator of the new covenant who stood there before God on behalf of man. Christ is fully man. He stood before God in our human flesh. He entered into God's presence on our behalf. Because as, as a mediator, He needed to be fully human. He needed to be able to offer the sacrifice for our sins. Because by man's sin, then man needs to pay this penalty. And then you remember there were two goats, children. The one to pay for the sacrifice of sin, and the other to carry away the guilt. And Christ, Christ did both. He sacrificed Himself on the cross as the offering for sin, but He also carried away our guilt. His sacrifice satisfied God's justice. He, he turned away God's anger from us, and He carried away the guilt of His people. That's what Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. And that means to the furthest possible extent that we can think of, Christ removed the sins of His people. And that means when your sins are forgiven, you will never see them again. Your guilt is removed to the furthest possible extent, never to return to you again. And so then you think again of what we began with. What makes that difference? From those who will be standing around the throne of God, rejoicing and singing salvation to our God, and those who will cry for the mountains to fall upon them. Every time I'm in the mountains, I walk by a cliff, you're worried about rocks falling down. But here they're praying that the rocks would cover them and hide them from the, from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, the difference is, if the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of, God our, uh, the wrath of God against our sin is removed by Christ, the mediator, the Lamb of God. The Lamb is the one who laid down His life for His people. And the Lamb is the one who sits on the throne and who will execute the justice of God against those who refuse to come to Him today. He is the one who paid for the sins of His people. So He also knows who, his, who they are. He knows who the ones are that He delivered from their sin. He knows the names of those that He carried into the presence of His Father and said, His sins or her sins are forgiven by My blood. And so He still calls out to everyone. And, and He says, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be, are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're like red, like crimson, they shall be made as wool. And he still calls sinners to himself to, to receive that forgiveness. And the first thing we began to ask with this catechism is, is there any way to escape that wrath of God? Yes, there is. God came to Adam when he was hiding because of his guilt and his shame, and he showed them that Christ would come as a seed of the woman to deliver. And Jesus Christ, that great mediator, he entered into the presence of a holy God on our behalf when we could not approach him ourselves at all. He is the one mighty to save. 
And so if there's any here even tonight who still wonder, how do I get rid of my guilt and my shame? Who, who find that the more we struggle to get rid of our sin and rid of our guilt, the deeper we sink. The more we try, the guiltier we feel. Because we continue to increase in our sin, in our guilt, in our debt. Then this is the mediator that we need. And Christ calls, come unto me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will take away your guilt. Then we must flee to him like David says in Psalm 32, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Men and children of God, God placed his tabernacle right in the middle of the camp of the Israelites, to show them that He was with them, to show them that their sins were forgiven, how they were forgiven, to show them that His favor was with them, His people. And now He dwells among His people with His Holy Spirit. He shows how your sins are washed away through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. How all that guilt that we have that still plagues us day to day, uh, that can torment us so often, because we're never f- totally free from corruption. How that guilt is carried away once and for all on the cross of Christ. And where now you can enjoy the presence and favor of God as He dwells with you and in you. And even now you have those times when you have the foretaste of that eternal glory that awaits you in heaven. Where you no longer need to Hide your shame and guilt. We can walk, with filled, walk filled with joy even in the midst of trials and sufferings in this world, knowing that you are His and He is yours. And that's because Jesus Christ, the mediator, both fully God and fully man, entered the glories of heaven into the presence of the Father with His human body. And when that great day will arrive, when, when the heavens will be rolled up as a scroll, and His throne will be seen, and the Lamb sitting on the throne, you will see the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in that same body in which He ascended, now with full glory. See, when the high priest was done, all those offerings in the tabernacle, he could, he could put back on his, his priestly robes. When Christ was finished and when He ascended into heaven, when He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, He was again clothed with all the glory and brightness of His, of his Godhead, of His eternal glory. He laid down the robes of his, of his humility. And then you will see Him, your mediator, your Savior, your deliverer. And you will be able to dwell in His presence in the light of His face forever, and worship Him singing salvation to our God. A glory that will never fade away. A glory that will endure forever. With the saints that are innumerable around the throne of His glory, singing hallelujah forever. Amen.